to have you with us, those who are visiting. Um, nice, bright, sunny day. Just some announcements before we get uh, into the Word. Uh, just a reminder that this evening we have prayer from half five. Uh, for those who, who can make it half five this evening, we pray for the church, pray for other things, pray for uh, the, the nation. So it's half five here. Uh, also, tithes and offerings are in the purple boxes on the wall. Um, uh, so if you've got tithes and offerings, that's there. Then also, just a reminder, a really important one, next weekend we have um, Tony and Suzanne Sievright with us. They lead a church in um, Johannesburg, South Africa, and they're on their way to Denmark, and they're stopping off here next weekend. So uh, if I would encourage you to prioritize, make sure you're here next weekend as they come and minister to that. Uh, then just one or two other things. A number of weeks ago, I mentioned um, those of you who are interested or wanted to be involved in being part of the tech team. So that's the website, the social media, the words, everything else to just let me know. Uh, some of you let me know if you want to be part of that and you didn't hear that piece, can you let me know? Because we're trying to get a, a group together so we can kick that off and get it into a little bit more momentum. I'm just aware all of that stuff we adjusted so that it was purely information transfer during COVID and we now need to relook some of that. So if you want to be involved in that, please do get hold of me and just let me know and so I've got your details for that. Then also uh, home groups this week. As normal, if you want to be part of a home group and you are not and you want to know where they are, speak to me or one of the other guys around. They will be able to point in that direction. So home groups are on Tuesday nights and Wednesday nights at the moment. So if you want to be part of that, please do let us know. Uh, that's it. Children, you may go through. So primary school children that way with Lisa and Jess. And then upstairs for youth, those in senior school with Amy today. So if you can do that, that'd be great. And while I swap over microphones, won't you greet one another? Say hello to someone you haven't seen for a while, maybe. And um, then we'll get on with the preach. Cool. Thank you. Wonderful. So let me just get all my notes out of the way. Good, so we're going to carry on our series this week. Um, looking, we've been doing a series looking at developing culture, a culture that is biblical, a culture that then, uh, in other words, we then, uh, that's just how we are, it's who we are, it's how we live based on the truth of God's word. And time and time again, I've said that what we believe informs our values and our values dictate our culture or shapes our culture. So in, in essence, what we need to know is what the Word says, what God says, and then allow that, what we believe, to transform us completely so that our lives reflect what we believe. Not what we say we believe, but actually what we believe. And we've looked at a number of different things through the weeks. Um, so probably a, 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 just a few more weeks on this, although next week Tony's not preaching on this. But um, this morning I want to pick up again on one of those. And really... Uh, I'm not preaching what I was supposed to preach in my plan, so uh, and no one knows that except me. Uh, I'm preaching what I've prepared. I am preaching what I've prepared, so that's a, a relief. But why I'm saying that is, every word that's come through the worship and even the song choices tie up with what I'm preaching this morning. And to me, that that's incredible. It's not surprising because it is God, but it's it's a relief because it's like, well, I'm actually hearing God, which is one good thing. But also for me, it's then. We need to be listening. Because if God has changed what I was going to preach, and also Alan, who d- doesn't know what I'm about to preach, through the, um, just the leading of the Holy Spirit, chose those songs. God's speaking through different words, and there are a couple of words that we're going to bring at the end, uh, contributions as well. It, for me, it means that God want, has, wants our attention to be on Him this morning. And there's something that He wants to speak. So it's a little bit more... 
not a little bit more anything. That's just how we should approach every Sunday, but I have a little bit more confidence this morning. So let's pray. Father God, I thank you that you do speak so clearly. And this morning, as we look at your word, as we look at these things, I pray that as our hearts would be open, that we would make the adjustments we need to make for the sake of your kingdom because of what you have for us to do and have for us to be now and in the future. In Jesus' name. Amen. So what we're looking at this morning is building a culture of faith. Now, I'm not going to do a whole preach on faith, although I'm going to do quite a bit on that, but it's also how we implement these things. Because remember, this whole series isn't just to look at what it means to be generous or, or what that means, but it means how do we understand that, but then how do we put it into practice? What, is, uh, what does it mean to stand on the truth, and how do we put that into practice? So everything about this is about not just a theory of faith, but how we live it out, which is important. Simply put, you could say that faith is believing God is who he says he is and will do what he says he will do. And when we look at faith using, uh, from what we understand in English, there are often other words that come into play, like faith, belief, trust, and all those things. And they're, they're, they're kind of all connected to the is- issue of faith. <clears throat> But often we think of faith uh, as something that we decide or is a mental practice, if you know, if you know what I mean. So it's like uh, when we read it, actually it's, it's we, we believe, and so we think, and so we know, and we're convinced. Uh, and, and it is that, but it's so much more than that. And faith is the core, or is core to the life of any follower of Jesus. It's really, really important. And... and and we see, as we look at Scripture and we look, as, as we look at history and we read through the Bible, we see that God's people are characterized by faith. We see it all the way through their Scriptures and, and accounts of people who did amazing things by faith uh, throughout history. And, and, and so we know these different things. We know that people live by faith. We know that without faith, it's impossible to please God. That's what Scripture says. Uh, it says also that the righteous will live by faith. By faith, we see that people got healed. By faith, we see people walked on water. By faith, we see all these things. Then we also reminded that Scripture says, when uh, one or two accounts where things didn't go as people planned, Jesus said, oh, ye of little faith. And then we also see that Scripture says, when there's faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, be moved into the sea, and it will. Meaning, and I don't think that's a physical mountain, but spiritual mountains. And yet, the outworking of our faith we sometimes miss in our understanding and our practice, and it can become a little hazy in our, in, in, in our thinking. James, in chapter 2, says that he makes this connection between faith and action. If you show me your faith and, uh, by words, and I'll show you my faith by what I do. So there's a connection there as well. And yet most would probably still think that faith is something that we primarily do in our thinking and the attitude of our heart. And so we're going to look at Hebrews chapter 11 this morning. But before we look at Hebrews chapter 11, we're going to look at Hebrews chapter 10. Because often I think we just jump into Hebrews chapter 11, which is a great passage uh, and and speaks of incredible things of faith. But when we look at a culture of developing faith, we need to understand what that means. And so 
In Hebrews chapter 10, actually when you look and do a study through the book of Hebrews, from the beginning of the book of Hebrews all the way through until the end of chapter 10, the writer uh, of Hebrews is pretty much laying out who Jesus is and what Jesus has done. And the end of chapter 10 from verse 32, it says this, But recall the former days when, after you were enlightened, you endured a hard struggle with suffering sometimes being publicly exposed to reproach and affliction, and sometimes being partners with those so treated. For you had compassion on those in prison, and you joyfully accepted the plundering of your property, since you knew that you yourselves had better possessions and an abiding one. Therefore, do not throw away your confidence, which has a great reward. For you have, in, uh, you have need of endurance. In other words, he brings us uh, impact. So he's speaking about who Jesus is, what Jesus has done, and then their attitude of how they face things, how they've walked with others. And he says, you are in need of endurance. So that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what is promised for, and that, then he quotes scripture, yet a little while the coming one will come and will not delay. Speaking of Jesus' return. But my righteous one will live by faith, and if he shrinks back, my soul will not have pleasure in him. But you are not those who shrink back and are destroyed, but you are those who have faith and persevere, uh, perseverance in their souls. So he's speaking about everything that Jesus has done uh, and who he is and our incredible need for perseverance and then calls us out as those who have faith and live and walk by faith. We're not those who shrink back, but as believers, we are those who walk in faith. And then he goes on to say, now faith. So he says, you need faith. You are those of faith. You are those who walk in faith. You need perseverance. And then he goes on to say, now faith is. And so often we just start with the now faith is and don't look and, uh, and don't remember the context of that of everything that he's done and the connection between faith and endurance that we would move forward and we are not those who shrink back and so what we see here as we launch into Hebrews chapter 11 is I'm trying to work out which way is best for you to see it so uh, let's do it this way around so here you have what Jesus has done everything that Jesus has done everything who he is He's died on the cross, he's risen from the dead, and now he speak, the writer he was saying that he is going to come again. So we have over here, we have the return of Christ that we live in hope and expectation for. But what he's saying between these two continuums of what Jesus has done and what he's going to do is where we live. We live in this space. We live in the space between the first coming and the second coming, and in that space we are to live in faith, in the realm of faith and perseverance, marked by faith. So our lives are marked by faith. Hear what God said through, I think Werner saying, brought the um, interpretation that it's not just the, what God has done or what God's going to do, but what God is doing. So we need to hear this today. And when we look at what that means then is what does it mean to live by faith? Now faith is. You see, he, the writer of the Hebrews does that. He speaks all about what Jesus has done, points to the fact that the one who is coming will come again and will not delay. But now you live in the context of in between those, marked with faith. You are people of faith and that's how we are to live. Make sense? Okay. So now we look at Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11 
starts off, and in, uh, in the ESV, it says that uh, now faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen. The NIV says faith is the reality or the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. So you've got these words that said the assurance and the conviction of things hoped for and not yet seen. And so I think from that we often think of it because it's a, uh, uh, that, that's where I think we battle with a sense that it's a mental thing. And that's where it starts, but that's not where it ends. Faith isn't just something that I believe, I believe, I believe. Faith is, is starts in that place of conviction. And you see, here's the challenge. And this is why I often say we need to read different translations. Because there, when you, and I'm not, a, I'm not a Greek scholar, but I do read people who are Greek scholars. That saves me having to learn Greek. I battle with some other languages, let alone Greek. Um, but when we look at translation, so when you're looking at the challenge of translation, and translators do an incredible job of taking what the original text was and trying to work out what the, the writer's meaning, and there's so many things involved. It's cross-cultural, it's cross-decades, centuries, millennia even. So you've got all these things that come into mind. And so some, that's why it's important that we read other translations in order to gain a broader picture and understanding. So it's not that one, and this particular passage, this particular verse is one of those verses that in different translations have different nuances, and those who are Greek scholars would say that a, a more rounded or, or fuller expression of this translation is not really the assurance and conviction, but it reads like this. That faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not yet seen. Another one which is similar, which is the CEV, is faith makes us sure of what we hope for and gives us proof of what we cannot see. You see, there's something of the substance of what it means to have faith that is beyond our mental just thinking this is what it is. And then it opens up this whole experience for us, an invitation to experience by faith and taste the things of God. So faith isn't just thinking and being convinced, but it's also the experience or the substance and the evidence of things that are not seen. You see, sometimes people say faith is blind. You just obey and it's a blind faith. You ever heard that term? I think that's ridiculous, to be honest. Blind faith, I don't think it's faith at all. I think it's stupidity. Because why would you have faith in something that you have no knowledge of? There is obedience, but it's not blind. Why? Because there's an evidence and a substance to our faith. And to start with, that's God. Our faith isn't in our own thinking or our own belief. Our faith is in God. It's rooted and founded and grounded on Him. And there's evidence that proves that. And that's why when we come to faith, we need to look and see that we can taste and experience that evidence of what it is. There's that faith in God and the evidence and the substance of fulfilled promises from what has been. And therefore fulfilled expectation of what He is going to do. You see, our faith isn't based on just thinking. 
here we have the writer of Hebrews who reminds us of who Jesus is and what he's done. Looking at the past, his faithfulness. And therefore, looking at that, and we'll see this as we read through Hebrews, because of that, and because we know the promises, we can now live in faith. And our faith isn't based on just thinking. It's based on the evidence of what God has done. And who he is. And therefore, his promises and what he says, he will do. And we can therefore live in faith and respond to that. You see, it starts with engaging our thinking and our minds of this is considering and, and perceiving and understanding. But what faith actually leads to is commitment and a radical obedience and action to God. Not conditioned by what is around us, but actually on Him and Him alone. Not in response to what has been done around, what's going on around us, but in response to who He is and what He says. And so we have been invited to believe and experience and taste of those things for which we are hoping, in other words, his promises. You see, some of those responses in our faith in him might not make sense in light of what our current reality is. But faith isn't based on current reality. It's based on him and looking forward to what is. And it's the evidence and the substance of that. Let me just give you an example. Rob, if you can put the first slide up. Anyone know what that is? Yeah, a little bit more specific, specific than flowers. Okay, don't, don't you answer. What kind of... Andrew, thank you. Crocuses. What do we know about a crocus? Nothing. <laughs> I'm going to teach you. So anyway, so just keep that in mind. Crocuses are one of the first flowers that come out after winter. Are they not? If not, the first. Well, it's the first brightly colored one, that's for sure. Snowdrops might pop their head out, but they're white anyway. Crocuses are brightly colored, and they're the first. Normally, around about March... So, why I'm saying this is hopefully this is going to give you a mental picture that you can grab hold of that helps us understand faith. You know those days, maybe you don't really know about crocuses and you've never watched crocuses or seen crocuses. Maybe you've seen this. March, we have at the end of winter, winter isn't quite over, but we have one or two warm days. And what happens in Crawley? Yeah, shorts. <laughs> You go in the car with me, you, with, not because of me, but with my children, and you hear them, oh, put your shirt on. Why? Because suddenly there's a bright day of sunshine, and then you have people walking around with shorts, flip-flops, shirts off, and you think, and you're kind of blinded by the lily-white reflection. <laughs> it's true, isn't it? Yeah. One day of sunshine, one crocus comes up, and, we, and people start behaving in a way which is rid, uh, ridiculous. <laughs> there's, a, there's a lesson in this, because actually what's going to happen is, probably going to have frost again, maybe even have snow. Yet what are they doing? Why do you think suddenly the barbecue comes up? Mind you, some people in this church probably barbecue the whole way through winter. They barbecue, which is just as ridiculous. They... they <laughs> All those things. 
one moment. And then there are others who walk around still bundled up as if winter is here for eternity. <laughs> Which some actually still do that the whole way through summer. So, and is ridiculous. Why I'm saying this is that you see, the crocus might pop up in the middle of winter. But it's a sign of, Rob, put the next picture up, of what is to come. That's not, that's not my garden, that's Nyman's. You see, the same is true. Those who quickly in March are in flip-flops, shorts and no shirts and having barbecues is why? Because they're dreaming of summer. And they're living, though it's still winter, in that reality. Which most think that's ridiculous. Now you might not be the one in flip-flops and no shirt on, but just remember the crocus. The crocus pops up in the middle or the end of winter before summer is there and is a promise of what is to come. It's an evidence of what is yet to be in its fullness that we can experience in part. And therefore we start behaving what others would say ridiculously. But as a gardener, when I see that, then I start preparing if I haven't already. Start sowing seeds, getting ready. Why? Because I know summer's coming. That's what it means to live in faith. You see, when we look at this, the, the, let me do a parallel now. The crocus in this picture, in the bigger picture of what, how we live, that is a reminder of what is to come based on what is gone. What, you see, as, as winter then carries on, what do we remember? Summer's coming because I saw the crocus. Jesus is coming back again because I know about the death resurrection of Jesus. He's come before. So in this parallel, you've got the crocus can represent the, the cross, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus, the first come, everything that God has done. And therefore we know he's coming again. And so we live not based on our experience today, but with our eye on there. Because he's coming, and that determines how we behave today. So you use that picture, the guys with their shirts off, is that they're living, though it's cold and it seems ridiculous to the world around them, as if they're already there. Why? Because that's what they long for. Now let's look at Hebrews chapter 11. And you read through the examples. Moses, uh, Moses in the... He was, he was put in the basket and everything else and it says that he, he considered that it was better to follow God and face a suffering than that. And, and he can look back and think, actually, I was supposed to be dead. But I was put in a basket and my life was saved and so God's got a plan. If you look at Noah, Noah's pretty much like the average Crawleyite with his shirt off in the middle of winter. Everybody thought he was ridiculous. You're building a boat in the middle of a desert. You're ridiculous. But why did he do it? He'd seen, he knew God, the faithfulness of God, and was living and responding in faith today because of what was to come, because of he who had spoken. If we, that makes sense. So that's why faith is the substance and the evidence of what has been.
what we cannot see. So if we look, let me try and... This is the Bible, just one book of the Bible, just so you didn't think I was reading from some weird thing. It's the book of Hebrews. If we read in uh, verse 11, it speaks of Sarah. It says this, By faith, Sarah herself received power to conceive even when she was past her age since she considered him faithful who had promised. She considered him faithful who had promised. She reckoned. She reasoned. Not based on her own. Like she looked at her current situation. Her body was past childbearing age. But you remember where Sarah was? And we'll see the same with Abraham. God had spoken to Abraham and said, leave your father's country. Go to a land I will show you. And then he made that covenant with Abraham. That he would be a blessing and everything else. So she's living, understanding that they responded in faith and obedience. And there was the provision, the protection of God because he had moved with them. And so she had considered what God had done. Heard what he said he was going to do. And so she deemed him faithful and lived in faith. And it says her faith, by faith she received the power to conceive. That miraculous thing. Why? Because she considered him faithful, saw what he was going to do, and so lived in that place of faith. Same thing with Abraham. Abraham, when we read there, it says... Uh, Abraham, verse 17. By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac. And he, had, uh, and he who had received the promises was in the act of offering up his only son, of whom it was said, through Isaac shall be your offspring, your offspring shall be named. He considered that God was able, in another translation, he reasoned or he thought that God, or, or, or basically considered those things, that God was able even to raise him from the dead, from which, figuratively speaking, he did raise him back. So here we have it. We think, Abraham, God had spoken to him, leave the country. He did. God spoke to him and says, and we see the evidence of how God provided then we see God spoke to him and says, you will have a son. And through this son Isaac, so uh, it says there, so through the son Isaac, the, then your offspring shall be named. Speaking of the inheritance. So that was the promise. And God had provided for him as he left um, the, all the Chaldeans and went into where God would lead him to. God had provided the promised son. He had the son. And there was something of the future that God was speaking into that he also knew. Yet at that moment, God was requiring him to step out in acting on his faith and in obedience, sacrifice his son. Now we know, just in case you don't know the account, he was about to sacrifice him and God provided a way. But what was he doing? It says here that he even reckoned that God would raise his son from the dead. You see, in that moment... We would have looked at him and said, Abraham, you are, you're mad. It's crazy. You've lost your mind. You're going to kill your son. 
You haven't had children for other, you couldn't, this is a miracle. And God said, this will now you're going to kill him? It says he considered. He considered God. What did he do? He looked at the faithfulness of God in the past. How God had come through. And the future promise of what this meant. And he didn't let the current circumstance stop him from stepping out in faithful obedience to God. And as he stepped into that, which in those circumstances looked ridiculous, why not because of himself, but because he considered him faithful. That in his obedience, and every time he had obeyed God, God came through. And as he did this, he would trust that God, you could raise him from the dead. So much was his faith. Because God was asking him to do something that in himself seemed impossible and ridiculous to those around him. But he walked in faith. And obeyed in faith. You see, faith isn't just something you think. When we read Hebrews chapter 11, it's not a list of people sitting around thinking good ideas of, I believe God did. It's those who believed, considered, and acted on. And so there's this incredible sense that it starts with us considering God, who He is, what He's done. Understanding that we don't live in this context, but we live with our eyes fixed on Him. And therefore, because of that, we can step out in faithful obedience to live today as if we are living there. The crocus in the middle of winter. Well, not the middle, but the end. So we either live thinking that winter is going to last forever, or we understand that summer's coming. We either live thinking... Well, I've got this. Or we look at who God is, His faithfulness, His promises that He's fulfilled, where He's carried you through. And we look at what He's saying, what He's done, and He's coming back, and we live in that place, our lives marked with faith. Faith is what we have when we know there's good reason to believe, not based on our situation, but based on God Himself. And he will do what he says he will do. And the result is an obedient action to him. In spite of what surrounds us. That's what it means to live by faith. In spite of what the world is doing. In spite of what's going on. We live in faithful faithful obedience to God. Doing what he's asked us to do. Trusting Him, even when it looks ridiculous to those around us. Makes sense. See how faith is so much more than just thinking. It's something that we live in and walk out in. And it only makes sense in light of God's faithfulness. So we have a choice. We can see the crocus. We can see what God has done. And we can live with our coats on for the rest of our lives. Or we can start living how God's called us to live. Based on Him coming back, summer's coming. You see, when we look at that in the bigger picture of our life, generally as well as specifically, both individually and corporately, we understand that we're in this world, but we're not of this world. We have a hope that's not based in here, but is based in eternity with Jesus. 
We understand that in the end of the age when Jesus comes again, we will be with him. And so we live our lives according to his way and his word, not according to what the world says. Let me give you some silly examples. Well, not silly really, but we kind of forget these. God's way is that we should live forgiving others. Why? Because we've experienced God's forgiveness. And the kingdom we part of means that we forgive and we constantly forgive. What does the world around us say? Revenge. Don't forgive. Block them. What's it called when you don't answer someone's text? You air them. You whatever. Ghost them. You all these things. How do we live? Forgiving when it makes no sense. Why? Because our faith is in God. What He's called us to and how we're called to live. You see, we live the kingdom of God and we taste and experience part of it. You see, when we, when we, when we respond in obedience to Him and live those things out, we then start to taste, a foretaste of what that looks like. Generosity. All these different things we've looked at. Generosity. When you're being generous, you think in the current situation, energy prices, financial crisis, everything else, and God, you're saying generous. Why are we saying generous? And we look and say, God, you've been faithful. And that's what your kingdom is. And you're going to be, we're going to live lavishly in heaven, and this isn't our world. And so in the midst of all that, God says, be generous. And so when it makes no sense, what do we do? Be generous. And what happens? We receive a taste of what it's like living in that place of obedient generosity in God because God provides and we see Him move. If you're here this morning and you think, actually, I'm needing a job, my job's finished. And you think, what is God saying for you to do? Where's God opening a door? What is He saying for you? What is, it? What is that step of faith He's asking you? Think, well, I can't do that. It doesn't make sense. Well, then can I remind you, look at the faithfulness of God in your life. Look at, look at Sarah and Abraham did and, and all these people. Just consider what God has already done in your life, in every area. I mean, for goodness sake, the fact that all of us are sitting here alive after COVID is the faithfulness of God. And so consider where God has moved already, apart from the cross and him returning every other area just look over your shoulder like like sarah did he, she considered him faithful why well, she could she had something she had evidence to base her future expectation on which was where god had already moved and so look at what god has already done in your life and look at what he's promised Apart from eternity, the other thing. So we need to hear what God's called us to. Now step out in faithful obedience today. In faith. In response to who He is. Healing and all this. What do we do when it doesn't seem to be working? What do we, working as in, that's how people think. What do we do when, when people don't get healed? And what we do is this. It doesn't change who God is. And so we never stop asking in faith. But at the same time, we trust Him that His will is going to be done. His perfect will. In His perfect timing. 
You see, we don't stop asking in faith, but we trust him that his answer will be his will being done. See, because sometimes we ask in faith, but also wrapped in that is our desire. And we want this. With every, not for ourselves, but maybe for someone, maybe for healing. We want it for someone else. And, we, and so I don't stop asking in faith. But I live trusting God will answer and his will will be done. And even if his will isn't what I was asking for, it doesn't rock my faith. It doesn't change my expectation for the future. Because I was asking in faith, but trusting in the goodness and the perfect will of God. Why? Because my understanding is, He is sovereign. And so we called to pray, we called to ask, and we called to do those things, but we also trust that His will will be done. Make sense? So for us who live between the space of the resurrection, the death, burial, resurrection of Jesus, and the second coming of Jesus, those whose lives should be marked by faith, the substance, the evidence, the assurance, the conviction. Consider your response to what God is asking of you. Remember the crocus. Or if you don't like flowers, just remember that vivid picture of lily white people walking without shirts in the middle of winter. That should get you back on track. But where we live today in faith, is it based on what God has said and what God has already done? Or is it based in the circumstances around us and therefore is not faith at all? When we respond with faith and put action to that, we then start to taste or foretaste of what is to come. So my question is, does your life does my life, does our life corporately show the marks of radical faithful obedience to a faithful God when we understand what he's done and what he's going to do then we walk in that place you see when we call to become a cult, a people, I'm talking about this in the developing a culture of that means every part of our life how we respond isn't based on the world system or the world around us or how we feel, but it's based on the kingdom of God, the principles of the kingdom. And so although we in this world, we don't live according to this world. We live according to the kingdom. And those around us will tell us more and more, you are ridiculous. It doesn't make sense. It's old. It's it, all the things that the world says, and sometimes, unfortunately, even believers, shouldn't change our response because our response and our action is based on the faithfulness of God, what we know, the evidence of what He's already done, and the hope for what is already there, based on the truth of the Word of God and the kingdom. And that should mark our daily lives of how we respond in faith. So I'm going to ask... I said to Alan, I'd like us to sing the bridge and the chorus of that song again. I wrote on my hand in the middle of, because the one song that we sang, and, and it's, the same, it's the same God, and we know that song, and it's, and, and it's an incredible song when you think of it. I know some people have heard it before and think, well, I don't know. It's, it goes through the God of Mary and, the God, and David, and, and, and what it is is it's a reminder of the faithfulness of God. 
and he's the same God. Katie, I wonder if you can come up, and Vaughn, if you can come up, just to bring the two words that you had. And this, and if someone doesn't mind calling Lisa to play the piano, that would be really helpful. She's with the children. Um, first. Uh, but this isn't just another way of ending the meeting. For me, I, I sense God has spoken to us this morning. The whole way through worship, the different contributions, the songs that we sang, the preach, and now he's wanting a response from us. But there are two words here I just want them to share. And as um, Alan and the band lead us, let this be a declaration, but if there are things in your life that you're feeling, actually, God, this is what you're requiring of me, consider him. You see, one of the things that we should change to bring the de- develop a culture of faith is the words we speak. You see, so often the words we speak are not based on what God has spoken and who he's created us to be, and not based on his faithfulness, but it's based on our experience. And we keep speaking those same words over ourselves and over situations. And so where, what we speak often dictates where we live in ourselves, certainly in our thinking. So maybe the areas in your life where you've experienced things in the past that have dictated how you live in the present... And it's robbing you from how you're going to live in the future. The way we become those who, sp- uh, who live in a culture of faith is we start by considering God and also changing how we speak. Change how you speak about yourself. Not, uh, I, I get that we have experienced things in the past. But if I keep speaking over myself, this is what I am because of that. I'm now taking my identity not from who God has created me to be or God has spoken of me, but I'm creating an identity and I'm living in a realm not of faith, but in a reaction and in a cage of what has been. And if I continue that, I will live in perpetual winter. Every moment there might be a crocus in my life, but I'm going to live in perpetual winter. So some of the areas I think is key for some of people today is God is asking you, to consider him. He is greater than your past. Start changing how you speak and what you declare. And let it be based on who he is and now you respond to him in faith. Ron. I just uh, felt that God wanted to come in power this morning. And I felt that if there's anybody who ha- uh, needed healing, that God was wanting to heal you today. And the picture I had was um, probably stemmed from, I started watching Little House on the Prairie again. Um, And there's, um, but I saw like an old pioneer house where the rafters, um, the wood rafters had gaps and holes between them. And there was water coming down through the roof rafters. And I felt like God said, I'm not the God of half measure. I'm not the God who does a half job on something. I'm a God that you find your shelter in me and I am your complete covering. And I just felt like he was saying not to be content with the drips that are coming through those rafters, but to trust him that he will cover over every single thing and we don't have to live with the half measures. Wonderful. Let's respond. Let's stand. Let's lift our voices and declare and consider God, consider what he's asking and let us be those who respond in faithful, radical obedience. God, this morning we... 
consider you. We consider your faithfulness, your awesomeness, who you are, what you've done, what you've spoken, what you've promised. That you are the same. God, that you want to bring breakthrough. You want to bring healing. That you're not the God who does things in half measures, but you do do it completely. That you're the God who moves from one season to the next, but you remain the same. And Lord, that you're calling us to live today in faith. In response to you. So Lord, I pray for those this morning that are needing a breakthrough or healing. That today, right now, you would bring healing over their lives. In Jesus' name. That as they consider your faithfulness, they would step out in faith, trusting you. Lord, I pray for us individually, but also corporately, that we would be a people who are marked by faith. And unshaken by what is around us, because our gaze and our faith and our, our eyes are focused and firmly fixed on you, Lord Jesus. What you're calling us to, what you've done, your return, and what you, what you have for us today. Not in our own strength, but in the strength that comes from you. Spirit of God, I ask that you would come and fill each one of us. Lord, you know our hearts better than we know our hearts ourselves. You know our struggles. You know what we're crying out for. You know where we've held on to things of the past. Lord, I pray for those this morning that need to change how they speak. Lord, I pray that you would enable them to do that, Lord. That as they consider you and your faithfulness, that their choice would be one of obedience to who you are and what you've spoken over them. Come and have your way, Lord. As we finish, if you want to go through for Tink Offer, you're welcome to fetch your children. But if you need someone to, if you would like someone to pray with you or stand with you, won't you just come find someone that you know in the church? Or if you don't know, come to the front and someone will stand with you. But God's spoken this morning. And our response should be one of faith, not based in our circumstances or what we face. But who he is, his faithfulness. We've sung, on your faithfulness, I stand.